When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You used to associate crickets with silence. But since you bought a house in the suburbs, you know crickets hate silence. If any other creature realized rubbing its legs together made a piercing high-pitched noise, they might think, maybe I won't do that. Constantly. All night long. Luckily, you can save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. Now that's something to make noise about. Just not constantly. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 132 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Will Turpin from Collective Soul, with the holidays fast approaching, I wanted to remind you about all of the great gift ideas that you can get at MistressCarrie.com. Just head to the website and check out the shop. It's filled with t-shirts and hoodies and beanies. But it also features a bunch of new stuff, like fitted caps, trucker hats, and visors. A 7-in-1 bartender tool that goes great with the new coasters and pairs perfectly with the pint glasses and shot glasses that are already in the store. And if you're planning on giving someone concert tickets this holiday season... Make sure you pick up one of the concert-approved bags. This clear bag goes around your waist or crossbody and can take in those essential items while still meeting all the restrictive bag requirements at your local concert venue. And no holiday tree would be complete without the Mistress Carrie purple and black Christmas ornaments. There's all that and more in the shop at MistressCarrie.com. My guest this week, Will Turpin, has been a member of Collective Soul since he was in high school. Not only is he the band's bass player, but he is also a solo artist and the owner of the indie rock label, Gooey Music. This year, the band released their new album, Vibrating, and hit the road to support it. And now Collective Soul is doing a live stream from the Ryman Auditorium on Mandolin.com coming up December 29th. You can get the details on the live stream in the concert calendar at MistressCarrie.com. Will and I talked about him growing up in his father's recording studio and joining Collective Soul. We also talked about songwriting and inspiration his love of travel, and the trips to Boston that the band has made over the years. We also talked about the challenges of current touring logistics and his love of Sting and Dolly Parton. Will and I talked about holiday traditions and also the clarinet. There's so much more with Collective Soul bass player Will Turpin on this week's episode, so allow me to introduce you to Will Turpin from Collective Soul. 
Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the Band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Will. Well, good morning. How are you? Doing good. I'm at home. It's a good time of year. Uh, Every time I talk to uh, an artist, uh, when they tell me they're home, I never know where that is anymore. I got to put... Most of the time, you guys don't even know where you are half the time. What is it? A home is where we lay our heads, man, us, us traveling musicians. Yeah, exactly. So where are you? Are you in Georgia? Yeah, no, the original Collective Soul, we, were, we all went to the same high school here in uh, uh, Metro Atlanta, south of Atlanta. And you never left. I am a solid 20 miles away from where I grew up. That's right. <laughs> As am I. It's pretty funny how that happens. Um, so congratulations, uh, vibrating is your 11th album. When you guys started, could you have conceived this? No, uh, you know, we, we wanted to be known for, uh, an entire library, an entire catalog of songs. But, um, I think the furthest we were looking into the future was we, we couldn't wait to get to that third, fourth, fifth record. Because uh, we, we did want to develop. We thought that we had something to offer. And we, and we knew that if we were given the chance to develop, that there would be there would be a great body of work at the end of the day. Um, but no, we, you're not, you know, at 23 years old, you're not thinking about being 51 years old and doing your 11th studio record. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we were, we were different in the fact that we weren't ready to wait on one hit. We weren't ready to go for that one hit and just tour on that. We, we were so eager to get back in the studio, even when Sean was at its peak. We were so eager to get back in the studio. And I would say the same thing about the second record, December World I Know. As soon as that record was out, uh, we wanted it to be successful. And, you know, back in the day, you always followed charts. And we, and we watched it constantly. But we were always ready to create more. I mean, it wouldn't be um, weeks after our record was released. We were already thinking about the next one. But trying to focus on a tour and supporting the current one that's out. Radio has always played such a huge part in the band's success. And I remember back at my old radio station, WAF in Boston, that you guys were one of those bands that we played the first time and then we never stopped playing. It was like as soon as the song was over, the request lines over and over again. Is it is it hard for you now looking back at the way bands used to break and how much the industry has changed, and do you think it's better or worse? 
Yeah, I mean, better or worse, I'll start there. I don't know about that. Uh, I, I think uh, I think with the technology that's out there, even when it first, I remember in every interview for at least a two year period, the top three question was, you know, what do you think about Napster and 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 music for free? And and I was like, well, we can't do this for free. We we spend a lot of money and time doing it, but this technology will be good for everybody at some point. Um, so as far as the industry goes and how we, how we digest music, I'm good with it. I think it, I think it helps out a lot of smaller artists. It helps out bigger artists too. I mean, look, the huge artists. Yeah. Everybody, you, you hear everybody complain about royalties, but at least the big artists are seeing a check. I mean, I see a check from streaming that I didn't envision again. Did I envision that at 23 years old that we'd still be, you know, making royalties off, off these things, but but for the smaller artists, the royalties aren't big enough. There's there's not enough numbers. So there's there's problems, um, and it's not perfect. Uh, um, but I do think the technology overall is a good thing, and I use it as well. Um, and I use it for all my artists and all of my new acts. So I think it's a good thing. But yeah, it's different. Uh, it, I, I think uh, the, when you really start talking about how it used to be, and if you missed how it used to be, it's it's at least part nostalgia that you're really clinging on to. Yeah. Well, as somebody whose career started in radio and was radio for 29 years, it's 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 hard not to be nostalgic about it. But, you know, and I took a lot of crap when I defended Lars back in the Napster days on the air. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah, like, yeah, well, no, he was right. He, he was 100 percent right. right. Um, you know, some people can like laugh at his method or criticize his method, but uh First off, I, I love that guy. I got to spend some time around him. Uh, and if you de- if you ever get asked, to, if Lars ever asks you to hang out with him for an evening or two, just say yes. <laughs> Don't question that. But, um, yeah, he was 100% right. And, yeah, of course, you can't. we can't create art, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and all our time creating pieces of art and give it away for free. It just it doesn't work. Yeah, and that's why t-shirts are $50 when you go to the shows and people complain. And it's like, well, you want the music for free or you want the music at all? Cause you got to pick. It always goes down to the poor consumer. Oh, poor consumer. (laughs) Well, growing up, you guys all collective soul is another example of artists that met in high school, which is, crazy to me that bands that are so huge and stood the test of time whether it be you guys three doors down the the list goes on and on of artists that made a decision that affected their life in high school (laughs) i don't i can't think of another decision anyone made in high school that turned out to be a good decision but in your bands yeah well yeah because it 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 worked for you guys. I don't think there's one decision I made back then that was good. <laughs> well, come on, let's go back. <laughs> I mean, um, it, it was the '80s, so you know <laughs> the fashion and the hair choices were a little rough. Oh, you used that hairspray. Come on, that. man! <laughs> it was the '80s. Um, I wouldn't say that we knew we were making lifelong decisions either. You know, I think that's given us a little too much credit. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll mention our buddies in live. Uh, they also met the same high school in Pennsylvania. We, we've had the 
I've heard they're not probably ever going to tour again together as the band live. Uh, so maybe they're not the greatest example, but they did survive for over 20 years as well. Um, there's a kinsmanship there that, that if it's correct, if the chemistry is correct and you know each other growing up like we did in Collective Soul, uh, then it, it definitely was one of the strongest points of the band. The fact that we knew each other. I literally... I have to say this over and over when people talk about my relationship with Ed and Dean. I literally don't have a memory in my life without knowing who they were. This is before there was a rock band, you know? So I think it played out really well for Collective Soul, how well we knew each other. Um, even, even when you look at Ed being seven years older than me, nine years older than his brother Dean, you know, he was six years older than, than Ed, uh, Shane and Ross. We were close to him because he was working at my father's studio and we were, we were, we watched him work on his craft every day. Uh, my dad would, you know, my dad gave him the green light to use all the extra time that he, that he needed to work on his craft. And so even though we were in high school, we were hanging out at the studio. We were from a very early age, we we're all hanging out together and supporting each other. Um, and then, um, you know, obviously the chemistry was a big part of it. And then Ed Roland songwriting, you know, we we all were fans of it and we all had our own style and, and we bought it to the table and and we were off to the races, so to speak. I read a quote from Getty Lee recently, and he basically said that nobody starts out trying to be a bass player, that you're a guitar player and then you make a band and somebody's got to play bass and you get voted in. That's what Getty said. Was that your experience, too? Yeah, absolutely. Um <laughs> I was I was the one who, because of my father in the music industry, my mom, my whole life, I remember her grabbing me by my shoulder sometimes when she was upset about how to pay the bills or, or whatever. Um, Please don't try to be a rock musician, whatever you do in life. <laughs> and so all my best friends were in Collective Soul, and I would sit in with them. I'd play percussion, and I, I was the one that could sing, sing harmonies with it. Um, and really, the bass player just wasn't working out. Um, and I didn't get voted in. I, I remember calling on an old school phone coming home from college one day. I, it was kind of a little bit of a now or never type thing. And, and at the same time, it was a little bit of a lightning bolt moment where I was like, well, it's now or never. I either commit to my best friends and we and we try to become what the definition of a true band is. Um, or or I'll just probably, you know, get my degree and and. They'll do their thing. We'll see how far that goes, and I'll support them. But I called Ed, and, and was, you know, in that era, let's go 80s again. This, this would have been early 90s. But in that era, you kind of knew when people would be home. You didn't call them at 9 o'clock at night from the rotary phone or whatever. It is so amazing. Not, not only did you know their schedule, you knew their phone number. Yeah, you could remember their phone numbers, no problem. So it was probably about 2.30 in the afternoon, and I called Ed. And, um, yeah, in that same conversation, I remember him saying something like, you sure you can play bass? I was like, I think I can play bass. I got all my best friends around me. I think I can play bass. And that was the same conversation. And uh, and I went and bought a bass that same week. And yeah, thank God my timing was right. It wasn't four or five months later we were signed to Atlantic Records. And and we would have got signed no matter who was playing bass. Or that, that unit would have got signed no matter what. But The only bass player I've ever spoken to that – knew they were going to be a bass player their whole life was Doug Pinnock from King's X. 
Nice. Every other one has said, yeah, I played guitar for a while, and then we needed a bass player, so I switched. Getty Lee, he knows everything. Yeah. Um, Doug is a uh, – he's been a – great musical force in my life way before I met him. You know, we were on Atlantic Records together in the early days with King's X. Uh, and that was literally, they're a musician's band. Uh, I get it. But that would have been, in that time, that would have been probably my favorite band that was out doing it and making records at the time. Um, so Doug, Doug's been a, a good, good, refreshing person to hang out with. And uh, yeah, so how did he know he was going to play bass? And on top of that, he played a 12-string bass in the early days. I mean, this guy's a freak. And then the latest record just came out. So That's why I talked to him. I talked to him recently because of the new record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, they bring back good memories, and uh, I always, always love that band. Collective Soul is also a band that has lineage through Boston at Berkeley, which comes up from time to time because that's where I am. But obviously, coming from Georgia, um, yeah, you come up to go to school, and you, then you can't handle the cold, and you get the hell out. <laughs> uh, Ed, Ed was there for a complete year, and he has a good story uh, because Ed really Ed under, understands any instrument, but he wasn't. He didn't really. He wasn't that guy that wanted to be schooled on on instruments and follow this regimen, and you'll get to this plateau. And, he wanted to be a songwriter. He wanted to be a creator. And he's got a good story. And I'll, I'll try to paraphrase it. Uh, it's his story, obviously. But I believe it was a postman that he had, you know, become not friendly with, but he just knew who the guy was. And and one day he, he said something about, uh, yeah, I can't remember exactly who, who said something first, but basically the postman said, you don't need a degree to create music or create poetry. And it was just kind of that moment for Ed where he already knew that. And so after a year of Berkeley, he came back down to Atlanta. And basically very soon after that, he was working at my dad's studio and starting bands in Atlanta. Uh, you're somebody that I, I always ask this question of musicians, but for someone like you that had it in the family, you didn't have much of a choice because you were immersed in it because of your dad. But I, I always say that there are two kind of uh, genres or, or sections of your life when it comes to music. There's the music, the soundtrack to your childhood that you are surrounded by. And then there's a day that you hear something and you cross this line in the sand and you go, no, that's mine. I like that. That's mine. And that's when you kind of define your own musical identity. So having grown up around music, what was the soundtrack to your childhood? Uh, you know, because it was around me, I've got a soundtrack and I don't think a lot of people do, but I've kind of got like a soundtrack from like six years old to when I became friends with my, my buddies that were in collective soul, you know, it's like the high school years kind of had a different soundtrack. And, and honestly, I was able to pick more of that, you know, once, once I became 13, 14, but before that, man, I, because of my father and albums and, you know, our living room, our dining room table, quote unquote, you know, everybody had a dining room back in that day. It was never a dining room. It was, it was, it had draft boards where he was designing the next studio or designing the graphics for a record label my dad was making. So, and then on top of that, there was this big album buffet thing and a bunch of really, really, really good records. So, my first soundtrack in my life would have been like the Eagles, Poco, um, 
stuff like the Beatles. My dad loved the Beatles. So that was my earlier days that I got to really get turned up. Paul Simon. I mean, I was listening to, I was eight years old, like going, man, this Paul Simon stuff is really awesome, you know? So I was very fortunate in that regard. Once I got to high school, it was me and my buddies. Uh, yeah, th those are those are what I consider the soundtrack to my to my youth and my years. And uh, although the 60s and 70s will always be some of my favorite, most of my favorite music, the 80s was uh, U2 was the biggest deal to me. R.E.M., we were so proud of R.E.M. coming out of Athens and not, not that we weren't, me and my friends, we weren't um, – anti-Southern rock. It's just the Southern rock thing wasn't our favorite thing. We were into what was considered alternative in the 80s. Um, NXS would have been a big deal for us. Um, R.E.M. Yeah, just got yeah. nominated for induction into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Yeah, they'll, they, they'll make that, you know. Uh, but yeah, all, all that in the 80s, yeah, all that stuff was a really big deal to me. Um, King's X would have became a big deal later in, in my high school years. Um. Band, do you remember a band called the Hoodoo Gurus? Yes. Uh, the Outfield. Uh, these were records that we, me and me and Shane, the bassist and drummer, you know, that we we listened to those records over and over and over and over. And uh, yeah, I remember when CDs came out and the word on the street was they, they've got no shelf life. They last forever. But believe me, if you play your CDs enough and you scratch them a little bit, you know, a bunch of those records we had to buy multiple CDs for, you know. Yeah, they started coming out with those gadgets to clean yeah. them and try to take the scratches out of them. It worked every now and then. And now vinyl is back. You released vibrating on vinyl. Who would have bet? Okay, who would have bet on this 20 years ago? You There won't be any CDs. You won't even have a DVD or CD player in your laptop anymore. And they're going to have racks of vinyl at Best Buy, Target, Walmart <laughs> at the at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> at Barnes and Noble, show me the person that would have bet on that. That this is a, I think it's great. I think it's a great revival, uh, the vinyl revival. But uh, who would have bet on that? You know, I tell everybody, I, I I'm not surprised that vinyl's back because growing up, like to me, that was music, right? The experience yeah. of it. I am shocked to hell the cassettes are back. I can't yeah. believe. That people want those things back again. That's uh, that's gone to the level of what, what would that word be? I'm not sure what that word is, but that's more. Uh, you're more interested in the collector vintage side of things. Uh, the vinyl has a, an actual acoustic sound that is super, super pleasing and and different than anything else on CD, cassette and even out of your uh, even through iTunes and such. It's, it's different. It's better on vinyl. It's warmer. It's warmer, and and you can't say the same thing about cassette. I mean, that's funny. You got a cassette player, and you got a bunch of cassettes, but it's not going to sound warmer and better. Vinyl does have a true technical thing that's that's positive. Do you still have all of your records from when you were a kid? I would think that growing up with a dad that had a studio, that music would have been something that you collected. Well, I'm the oldest of five kids, so I've got two younger siblings. And there is a, in my mind, there is a true, true crime story somewhere out there because my, my albums didn't just disappear. Uh, but I had a strange feeling my, uh, one of my siblings, one of my brothers had something to do with uh, that, that album collection disappearing. And, and it would have been a pretty good one. I probably would have had about maybe 120 albums, 
you know, before I left, signed to Atlantic Records and, you know. The holidays are coming. He needs to come off the shopping list if he stole your record. I don't know which one it was. Nobody's fessed up. I got three <laughs> brothers and a sister. <laughs> we got to go into, we need the lie detector and we, I might need a lawyer for this one. <laughs> <laughs> You've spent so much of the last 20 plus years on the road. And when it comes to musicians, there are some of the most well-traveled people that exist because you're just constantly on the road and since you're about 20 miles from where you grew up where's a place that a you never dreamed you'd go and b a place that you were surprised you loved well uh, that is you know that that's uh it's always an interesting thing to bring up because that's definitely one of the most positive things i see about what i've been able to do I, i haven't even in the 90s when i was young i was like i had my bike underneath the bus and i i would um I would do 20 miles on a day on a show day sometimes. Um, and just to go out, I'm, I'm a little bit of an explorer. One of my nicknames in the band is the scout. So, you know, we've all got multiple nicknames, but, um, so yeah, I like to get out and see things. It's been awesome to, to, man, you can drop me. You could literally drop me anywhere in North America. And if the city is anywhere like of a secondary size, not even the big ones, I would probably know where I'm at literally within Within a couple of minutes, I would know exactly where I was at without without even asking anybody. I'm not, you know, but it, that's been a great thing to do is, is see all these places. I don't know. I mean, I, I know that I, got, I have a love affair with South Africa, Cape Town, something about Cape Town. That place is just I went amazing. as well. It's life changing going there. It's beautiful, beautiful. We found some great friendships over there. Um, so I, that, that place always is something I mentioned to people. Um, but, you know, traveling across North America, it's just been great to see the different people, the different things, the, the, you know, uh, catching out the, 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 the landscape of the world, you know. As I mentioned, um, my former radio station started playing Collective Soul very early on. So do you have memories of Boston, especially from the early days? Yeah, I, can, I wish I could remember some of the venues, but Boston was always a very very strong rock crowd. Uh, it's probably Axis, Avalon. Axis, I remember Axis. Uh, I remember Avalon right there on. Um, it's right there next to the stadium. It Lansdowne it. Street. Yeah, that's yeah, that. Down Street. That building is now the House of Blues. And we've played there since it's been House of Blues. Yeah, I remember playing the Avalon a lot. I was thinking more like the club stuff in the in the nineties. I mean, just great collective soul is fortunate we don't necessarily have any weak spots we've got but when we were playing when boston was on the schedule there's certain towns that are just they just stick out to you um it's a great town to be at and it's just a good party good rock crowd i always ask musicians this songwriting question because the answers are always fascinating i love music but have zero music ability and cannot write songs even though i've tried so I'm fascinated by the craft of it. Can you give me an example of any artist, any genre, where you look at a song and say, that is a perfect example of songwriting, the skill and craft of songwriting, a song that you covet and wish you wrote because it's just mm. so brilliant. But then well, you got to tell me why. <clears throat> okay, well, I've, I've been enjoying lately, like really... um going back and listening to complete records of, I already know, like the latest artist I've been doing it with is Sting. I've been going back and um, 
I digested it. That's another band in the eighties that would have been part of my soundtrack, obviously uh, the police, but um, just really overanalyzing because I'm, I'm at this age where I've heard all the records, right? <laughs> so now I've been enjoying going back and just really listening to them again, beginning to end and kind of overanalyzing them in my head and enjoying uh, the artistry. Um, well, they sound so, different now with a trained ear. We, well, it's more of a just it's just a different time and a different era. Uh, I always I always I grew up with music theory around me. So I remember being 17 years old and knowing what chords I was hearing and what progression I was hearing in my head. But um, I don't know what you know, I don't know what a quote of trained ear really is either because it, it is art. But uh, Sting, the way he the way he constructs a song, um, even down to the sounds that he would use. And I'm talking solo career on down to the sounds he would use, they would be relative to the lyrics. And I didn't really realize that until recently, like Soul Cages uh, starts out with a, uh, I can't remember the name of the tune right now, but it starts out with a song about his father who just recently passed away. His father was a, worked on uh, boats, boat yards in um, I believe Newcastle. Um, and the song is about his father transcending and he's got these sounds in the background that I never realized sound like you're hitting a piece of metal on the side of a boat. Sounds like you're hitting a hammer on the side of a boat. So I got, I got a little more appreciation for all the things that Sting does. And then when I really listened to all his lyrics, uh, Dream of the Blue Turtles, um, he was just getting his sound together, had some great songs on it. But by the time he got to Soul Cages, the third record, and then the fourth record was uh, Ten Summoner's Tales. And that's the other thing I do is I like to try to analyze chronologically because it kind of helps me get in their headspace uh but yeah by the time he got the soul cages and then 10 summoners tell to me you're talking about two pieces of uh, those are masterpieces of of pop music those are absolute masterpieces so anyway there's there's mine <laughs> i think you might be the first person to bring up sting actually and i can't believe it's taken this long because as a solo artist it he's a completely different artist than he was in in, in the police he did transform and I could see it at Dream of the Blue Turtles. And I was a little, I loved Dream of the Blue Turtles in this day. And then the second record uh, had Englishman in New York on it. Can't remember the name of that record, but I was like, oh no, he's going to go way too jazzy, poppy, adult, contemporary. And then he pulled it back in Soul Cages and there's rock. And it's just, I mean, he really found his groove right there on Soul Cages and Ten Summoners Tale, as well as Mercury Falling, which would have been right after Ten Summoners Tales. You guys have already started booking some dates in 2023 and bands obviously got stuck not being able to tour for a long time, then shot out of a cannon. Everybody wanted to get on the road and now trying to make plans between inflation and lack of crew, tour bus shortages. What what are you looking at as far as plans for the next year for the band navigating this insane climate right now. Well, you do get to talk to the bands, don't you? you oh, you're, you're I down, know. You're down to even the cost of fuel. <laughs> well, I used to be a tech as well. Before I was on the radio, I used to build stages and rig lights. So I understand that side of it as well. Well, it, there is some, I think the shortages are the toughest things to deal with. Um, math, you always find a way. The promoters know what we're going through. And uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, people mentioned the price of tickets, right? <laughs> a lot of that gets spilled right down to the consumer. Uh, 
But um, the shortages are those are difficult to deal with. Uh, the shortages and, and some crew members were were having uh, we're having issues trying to find some some guys. Even though we've got a long roster after twenty something years of people that we can call on. Um, and then the bus, we we definitely had an issue with our the whole summer and the bus. So um, it's just it's like poor poor pitiful me. I don't know. I'm just glad that I get to go out and tour and play music for a living. You know. Um, but yeah, and, and all these, I think all these things do affect everybody in everyday life. It's just when you're on the road and you're touring, it, it's more direct in your face because it's like it's changed. It, it totally changed from what it was pre-COVID. But um, we get along. We're fine. Everybody right now is talking about Dolly Parton because she just got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And now she's rumored to be working on a rock album. Dolly won a Grammy covering you guys. Yeah. Yeah, she won a Grammy uh, with her version of Sean. And we are putting feelers out to try to record with her. but <laughs> Haven't gotten any real positive traction yet, but she's a fan. And we'll see where she goes with this. I, 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 I'm hearing rumors of, of some other folks she's definitely going to use. So, uh, you know, what a what a blessing and what a what a jewel she is uh, in the music industry. Uh, we love her. So yeah, if she gets word, yes, of course we would love to be on any kind of, in any capacity, be uh, involved with her again. That would be awesome. She seems to be someone that rock bands really seem to gravitate to because she's such a rebel and such a vanguard. She truly was a rebel uh, when she was younger and, and really she's a household name now, but she really still doesn't fly by any other anybody else's map. She does whatever she wants to do. I mean, even recording Shine, that was from her. That wasn't somebody told her to do that, you know. I heard she's sleeved in tattoos, and that's why she doesn't wear short-sleeved shirts. And I'm, dying, <laughs> and I'm dying to know if it's true or not. That That's why she covers up so much is that she's covered in tattoos. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but I love that it's just a rumor. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, because could you imagine what she's like if she, <laughs> she takes it all off? She's got sleeves. and <laughs> That would be amazing. That would be awesome. Before I let you go, you bring up Shine, and obviously I think every band has that signature song, and that is... The, ba- the, the song that people think of when they think of your band. And that can be a blessing, and it can also be a curse, especially when it happens early in your career. All these years later, you're out supporting Vibrating. You got a brand new record out. Other days that you're like, do we have to play this song again? Or are you so grateful for what that song has brought to you that it's new every day? Yeah, it's definitely a more grateful thing. And Believe me, if we rehearse for a tour, we're not going to rehearse Sean again. We're going <laughs> to rehearse the other two. So, but the live atmosphere, when you see people's faces, when you've heard the stories we've heard about, you know, we all know music is a strong force in the world. And it can be, depending on how you use it as an individual, it can be a strong force, one of the strongest forces in your own life. Um, once you've heard the stories and, and, you know, when we were younger, you kind of take it for granted, but you see what, what this music and, and what some people relate this music to as far as what it's done for their life. And then on top of that, 
now you're seeing people in, in front of you celebrating. It's basically a celebration of life at that point. I've been saying that's what our live shows are, is a celebration of life. Um, when you see that, that's then there's nothing in your head that's about, oh, I don't like to play this song. Or, it's just it's just a celebration. It's not about a technical playing of a tune. It's it's literally just a celebration, and we're all in the room together, celebrating that you know whatever that is that magical energy. Um, my dad's quote uh, I use it a lot. Uh, Music is the second most powerful force on earth, second only to love. That's a good quote. As we are kind of immersed in the holiday season now. What's the what's the holiday tradition, the family tradition, the 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 food, the whatever it is, what's the thing you look forward to the most? We started my family and extended friends. We started um, because everybody's off before Thanksgiving. Right. So we started camping out in the woods, picking a spot, usually a state park. Not very not very roughing. It's not, you know, but we uh, we pick a spot and uh, and family and friends know it's an open invite. And uh, we eat from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you know, all three of those days we're eating something and hanging out. Lots of instruments, as you can imagine, uh, campfires, tents and campers and cabins. And so that's something I look forward to every year. Definitely not doing that up here in Boston. <laughs> okay. Hey, it'll be fine. The weather will be fine. We'll just, we'll, you know. <laughs> it was 76 degrees like four days ago and it snowed two nights ago. Yeah. We just- it's. It could be a gamble in Georgia, but you can you deal with it in Georgia. Yeah. Well, happy holidays. It was so nice to get to know you today. Congratulations, not only on the longevity of the band, but on the the ability to be able to create new music and continue and not just be out kind of touring with the greatest hits, but that the band is still actively creating music and the world is yeah. a better place with collective soul in it. That's for sure. Vibrating is, you know, it's every music and everything. Time matters as far as what you think of a certain uh, song or, or 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 album. But uh, vibrating is one of the one of our better records, top to bottom. It really is. Um, well, you so, had yeah. the time to work on it. <laughs> well, we don't really waste a lot of time doing that. We move, we move on. So. The story with Collective Soul and all that time is we actually kind of have, we almost have two more records done to follow up vibrating. <laughs> so more to come. And speaking of new music, <clears throat> yeah, I raised I raised a family on rock and roll. Now they're all older and uh, I've got my father's studio. And I, I've produced some acts over the years when I could find time, but um, now I'm, I've got my production company and I'm full swing working with all kind of new young, younger artists uh, and really uh, exciting music. So uh, check out my studio and check out those artists I'm working with when y'all get a chance. Well, that was one of the things that I, I didn't want to keep you too late, but that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about because Boston is an example that there isn't a radio station that plays new music, new rock music in Boston anymore. And so that is one of the things that I started using this show for is to be able to help break new artists because sometimes they can be hard to find because there's so much noise now. There's so much music. And when you go digging into a Spotify or a Pandora or an Apple Music or whatever it is, if you're looking for new stuff, you might not know where to start. 
So mm -hmm. turn me on to some new artists that people should be looking for. Just finished up a record um, with some young guys, Woodstock, Georgia, barely north of Atlanta, the Corduroy Blue. Um, it's really easy to say uh, somebody sounds like the Beatles and Queen mixed together, but trust me, this sounds like the Beatles and Queen mixed together. They're really good young artists. Um, a little bit of Jellyfish, which is also Beatles and Queen, uh, but I'm really uh, happy about that record. Just finished it up. It came out last week. Um, so there's some tracks there I produced and they're on my production company. Um, Red and the Revelers were just in the studio also. They're out of Mobile, uh, Alabama. This is a fun, really fun eight piece with horn line, funky, uh, and Red's vocal is absolutely unmistakable. It's a one of a kind type, uh, like an Edwin Starr vocal. You know, we're not going to, we don't need a bunch of harmonies. We just need this one guy on the mic, you know, and then everybody else raising it up, raising the roof, reveling. So check out Red and the Revelers. Mary Martin is a great artist that just, uh, I just produced her single, or me and Brian Collins just produced her single. And uh, and, a, and a rock band out of Atlanta called Hey Dreamer, I finished up this spring. They're really good. You might like Hey Dreamer a lot. Really cool, um, really cool rock. It has elements of prog rock in it. Uh, so a little bit of throwback to the prog rock days there with uh, with Hey Dreamer. So try let to me find, know. Try to you find got my email. Let me know. Yeah, no, I will. Try to find a rock band with some clarinet in it because that's the extent of my music ability was clarinet in the marching band in high school. Yes. And I have only I was had, there. I have <laughs> only wait, did you play clarinet too? Well, me and me and Shane would have been on the drum line right next to each other oh. playing snare. I, I've only had one artist on the show that also played the clarinet. I'm in good company, but there's okay. only one. Just me and Edgar Winter. We're just holding it down. Ah. Well, you, you you might not know this, but Ed Rowland's instrument in high school was the clarinet. Yes! <laughs> Another clarinet player! I knew if I kept asking and digging that I would find some more in there. Yes! You did it! Yes! Now there's three! <laughs> We're all going to sit around one day and just jam on the clarinet. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Learn the, uh, learn the clarinet part to uh, when I'm 64. <laughs> You learn that, and I promise you, I will come up and we will we will record that together live. Okay? Yes, <laughs> that would we be, might be sixty four by the time it happens. It, but. You know what? It might be older than that. I haven't played the clarinet in a long time. <laughs> I think I can still play "Let's Go Band," and that's about it. <laughs> the two notes. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> exactly. And when Edgar Winter told me that he used to play clarinet and that he got his clarinet from Johnny, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I can't compete with that. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't compete with that. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy your camping around the holidays. Yes, thank you. This has been fun, fun podcast. I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll see you in Boston sometime next year. You guys were here earlier this year. We were kind of near. Yeah, I, mean, were, I don't think that qualifies. You were at Indian Ranch, to, yeah. I didn't get to go to Boston this time around, so we missed it. It's, well, it's, it's one of our favorites. How, how can it not be? What a great area. Well, when you schedule that date, I will give you the Mistress Carrie tour of Boston. Please. I, I got to at least see a couple, couple of the spots. Hell yeah, absolutely. Happy Very holidays. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you next time. Uh, bye. Bye. There he is, the one and only Will Turpin.
you gotta check out the custom playlist for this week's episode. Not only is it filled with collective soul music, but it's also filled with the artists that we talked about, including some of those newer artists that he's been producing. That's all in the corresponding playlist that I make for every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast. You'll find that linked in the show notes, along with all the links to find Will Turpin online. You can check out his recording studio online, and you'll find all the links for Collective Soul and to find me online as well. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like and follow and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, every weekday, you get the Situation Report. The sit rep is five minutes long and filled with music news and entertainment headlines. And you never know when we're going to release a bonus episode. Join me live every Tuesday night on my official Facebook page for my video show, Cocktails in the War Room, at 8.30 Eastern. And you can always listen to the Mistress Carrie Show on your radio. Get all the details on the upcoming Collective Soul live stream from the Ryman Auditorium on December 29th. Just check out the concert calendar at MistressCarrie.com. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you can find options that fit your budget. Because giving you options is the right thing to do. Oh yeah, like when I hold the door for someone. Sure, it may be weird if I don't time it right and they're a little too far away and now they're running. And we're both asking ourselves, is it worth it to run instead of just, you know, letting them open their own door? But still, it's the right thing to do. So get options based on your needs with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world. Like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward. And take your breath away like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.